You're listening to the Eyes on Washington podcast, Holland and Knight's overarching public policy and regulation podcast series. Our public policy and regulation group has an ideal combination of lawyers and lobbyists with a comprehensive understanding of the federal policy and regulatory process. This series will shine a light on the shifting dynamics of governmental entities and the ensuing changes in economic or political policies, laws, and regulations that can have a critical impact on the health and future of your business. So we're here to talk about the OCI process. Yeah, and you might want to start out by explaining what OCI means. So uh, the on-campus interviewing process for law school students that is set up to help you as a law school student find your desired employer. Helen and Knight has participated in this process a lot for a long time. And Rich, you have hired many associates through this process, right? Yeah. You know, I think we have been doing on-campus interview for the policy group probably for about 25 years and interview sort of everywhere in D.C. from, you know, AU and, you know, George Washington, Georgetown, as well as schools across the country that have, you know, significant policy operations. We don't do, we don't recruit every year. We do kind of look at a year ahead, kind of what's our need and what do we anticipate so we don't have a summer associate, you know, every year with the group, but I would say certainly every other year. And when you go through this process, which um, I can add a little bit about it in terms of what it typically entails after this, but what do you look for in applicants and how do you sort of pick out the few that you want to interview? It's pretty rare for at least our firm and, you know, the policy group to be looking for somebody with like a particular skill set. So we're we're not normally looking for somebody who wants to be a healthcare lawyer or you know somebody who only wants to focus on regulations. We we really are looking at the raw skills and and the components of what it means to be a good lawyer. And I would sort of lay those out in the following way and 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 probably the first one is a little unconventional for what some people would think, but Social intelligence uh, is really important. So, you know, the Han and Knight Policy Group is very much a team environment. And so it's really important that we bring people into the team who understand that and who are capable of working well with other people, both, um, you know, other lawyers and professionals, you know, in our group uh, and across the firm, as well as obviously in client organizations, obviously legal research skills, oral and written communication skills, good uh, intellectual background uh, in terms of, you know, what a government practice is, how it works. And then uh, sort of the softer stuff, you know, do, do we think the person we're interviewing really knows their own mind at this point and and is committed to, in our case, coming to a public policy group and and working on regulatory and legislative issues. We put a lot of time and effort um, once we hire somebody into training them and you know getting to them, getting them to a point where you know they're doing a really really good job. You know, working with them, of course. And so you don't want somebody who midway through decides you know they really wanted to be a chef or more likely 
you know, they really wanted to be an M&A lawyer. And, you know, then we've spent 18 months training them and committed all that time and effort. So we do try to kind of suss out in the interview process, how well you know yourself and how committed you are, not just to, you know, to haunt a knife, but also to, you know, the practice of law involving public policy. Marissa, like, what was your experience in, in the OCI process? Obviously, you were going to school at, at night and, you know, working during the day, so not the, the classic experience, but, but what was your experience like? I went to GW Law at night and worked as a lobbyist in the public policy and regulation group during the day. And so for me, because law school was four years, I did this process, I think after my second year. For me, I, I loved Holland at night already. I think the one, the thing that really was important to me was that I'd be able to do policy and legal work. And once I did my research, I realized that that was not actually a thing that was offered at, at many firms um, in Washington, D.C. And I knew I wanted to stay in D.C. And so that really narrowed my interest. Um, I remember you telling me to apply anyway, <laughs> um, even though I said I didn't want to. So I only applied to one other firm, which who shall remain nameless. Who shall remain nameless. <laughs> exactly. But it was, you know, I think that my heart wasn't fully there, but here's the here was the process. There was the initial application process. And there talk, was, talk timing, talk timing wise, like when when does it all kind of start in, yeah. in the school year? So it really starts, you should start spring of I mean, you should really start networking as soon as you get to law school, admittedly, right? But the so, like in the midst of panic, like there's yeah. no way I'm going to be able to even pass a single test. It's immediately time to start thinking about a job, is what you're saying. Yes, maybe before you go to law school, just start that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'll, I have questions on that for you later, but I think networking cannot be understated. The actual application process starts right when you finish finals after typically your first year, if you're a, a sort of a conventional student. And so it will happen that summer, you'll put together your application process, and then you'll have actual interviews. I think ours were in July, I believe, and in August. Um, and they sort of go throughout the summer and it's a pretty quick process, but there are several parts to it. Sort of apply. You have your initial screener interview, which is like 20 minutes. And then you potentially get called back for a longer interview with multiple partners. Maybe you do a lunch. And then you essentially wait to hear back from the firm. And then you have a certain amount of time to sort of accept or reject. Now, I had to remind myself of this process and also wanted, I was interested about my friends from law school, how they saw it and one of them. So I asked my, my text chain of my law school students and the responses were hilarious. One of them was apply, interview, stress, get rejected, repeat. <laughs> <laughs> so 
There you go. There's that. So I, I can give the Chelsea Gold experience. And for those of you who, who don't know me, you know, the two of you out there listening to this, um, Chelsea Gold is, is my eldest daughter who went through law school here in DC and is now working as a, a compliance lawyer at, at Google. So she she did okay. And shout out to Steptoe here. She was an associate at Steptoe before that. But she went through the summer process, you know, for, for real uh, extensively. And while she was a legislative assistant at Steptoe and going to school at night, but she she kind of went through the interview process. And I think she started, she put a spreadsheet together, you know, probably like in January and did her research and she knew she wanted to do public policy at the time. So she kind of focused in on the, you know, 12 firms who were going to interview at American where she was going to law school, who had public policy shops and that looked like that they would have a public policy summer associate. And she you know, spent several months reaching out and having coffee with, you know, six degrees of separation, people she knew at each of the firms, got a sense of the culture that helped because it was able to lift her resume out of the pile. If she could call to so-and-so and say, Hey, I sent it in, you know, I'm really hoping I get an interview. And that person would call down to the recruiting person and say, Hey, this Chelsea gold cat is, is pretty cool. She's going to be so mortified, Marissa, when she hears this. So uh, she ended up interviewing, I think, with a dozen firms. And um, other than the couple of weeks before she took the LSATs, where I don't think I've ever seen her that anxious, the few days before doing OCI interviews, she was just incredibly anxious. So it is, I wouldn't, you know, as, as Marissa said, when she was kind of going through the list, uh, the stress part of it is real. Um, and I'm not sure it's voluntary and I'm not sure you can avoid it, but it is definitely one of those periods where, you know, whatever you do for stress relief, you are definitely going to need it then. And, you know, I like, like everybody that goes through the process, Chelsea got a number of offers and, and, uh, she was very happy with, you know, what the process, uh, produced for her, but it, it certainly wasn't easy in terms of in terms of getting there. So, so you kind of finished up there and, and yet Marissa, you actually came to Holland tonight at the end of the day. So, you know, what was that about other than obviously people at Holland tonight have a very good sense of humor? Yes, they have a good sense of humor and they are great humans in general. I knew that it was a place I wanted to be. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm doing this with you. It, it really is a great environment, and you know you want to work with people you like. That was that was really important to me. And then, like I said before, just the the split of issues that I would get to work on, and sort of the entrepreneurial spirit of the group, where it is really up to me to create my own destiny in many ways within the public policy and regulation space. I thought that was very cool and wanted to be in, in that type of environment. So you, you actually knew though, at the time, you know, sort of midway through law school, the areas that you wanted to practice in, right. And how did, how did that all kind of mesh up? Yes. And they don't perfectly align and I still work in them uh, and have developed more of a legal foundation since graduating, but I do quite a bit of the 
data security, cybersecurity, data privacy work. I'll sort of add some national security work into that. And then environmental work is there as well. Um, and then political law. And I had, I've worked on a bunch of different issues, sort of came to Hall and I initially working on local government issues, which was the, sort of the best education I could have gotten for um, issues more broadly. And then sort of focused in from there after having spent time on the Hill where I did environmental work. And so midway through law school, I did have a good sense of really not quite like the actual issues, but how I wanted to solve problems and what perspective I wanted to come in at and sort of where I thought potentially I could add the most value based on my personality and skills and that type of thing. So a, a couple of questions just following on that one, um, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and I was in law school, most of us sort of wanted to do one thing. You, you kids today seem to be in a place where you want a number of things on your plate and don't want to just like narrow down to I do X and that's okay. And, and firms are, you can do that in, in the OCI process and you can do that as an associate. I think long-term, I do want to have a focus and a niche, but in getting there, I think that one area doesn't actually offer you in many circumstances, sort of the broader legal education that I wanted to have. So um, from a training perspective. So I think that especially in the public policy and regulation group where I really can be working on, you know, a herbicide issue one day and a political law question the next and an insider threat issue for a defense company the next that's really exciting to me. And I like to be doing those different projects at this point. And you feel like the, the OCI, your actual like summer associate experience sort of helped you sift through that. Talk a little bit about like what that summer associate summer was like once you, so you get the big Han and a job offer, you, you say yes. Uh, and then, you know, the summer pops up and uh, you become an associate. What what does that mean other than, I mean, certainly there was a lot of baseball games and, you know, being taken out to dinner and all that kind of stuff, the glory stuff, right? But what else other than the glory stuff? I had a great summer associate experience because, I, partly because I already worked here and had a portfolio and was able to build off of that. You know, I didn't necessarily have to go through the process of starting from square one, which I think is a little bit different than others. But it was still really new in that I was working with different people, sort of expanding the partners that I worked with a lot, because I think I did some international trade work. I did a lot of political law work. Uh, I did some environmental legal work. And everyone just really took the time to go over the work with me and any questions I had were answered. You know, I had a great review and feedback process. I felt that I actually learned as part of training as being a lawyer quite a bit that summer um, and about how my life was going to operate as an associate. So it wasn't all just about getting a job the next year. 
there was there was a lot of development packed into that summer that was important to your legal education. Yes, and I will say having an intern or a, a summer associate class, I, I really enjoyed getting to know the other summer associates as well. We all sort of came from different schools and backgrounds and had different levels of experience, but we're all going through it together. And I think you always have connections with those people after that summer. Um, and they have gone on to be great colleagues. So so if you're like summing this up for people, what are sort of the key elements that people should think about in terms of applying for their summer position and, and you know, focused on what they should get out of it once they have it? I would do the Chelsea Gold method in terms of really educating yourself on on firms and to the extent that you can pick at least a practice group that you have an idea where you would fit best, that will probably be your best ticket to success. It's always hard to go into an interview and not have an answer of why you want to be there. So I would say, you know, do the homework up front and just make those connections far in advance, probably right when you start getting to law school. And uh, then once you're in the experience, make sure you're doing the homework again. You know, look at the bios of all the partners in your group, even outside of your group. Look at what they're working on. Send them relevant articles if you want to work with them. Try and get try and make the most of that experience. No one will give you a hard time for being, you know, ambitious or interested. So that's my takeaway. So the only thing I I think I would add to that is I think it is really important, you know, in, in the process to try to match up who you are and what you want to work on with this you know, huge number of firms who you could possibly apply for. And so really taking the time to do the work up front and, you know, some of that can be done on the web in terms of the research, uh, you know, kind of looking at who the firm says they are, but some of it, you really do need to find six degrees of separation and, um, you know, grab friend of a friend for coffee type thing. Who's already an associate there and and kind of figure out how to make those connections because, because they will make a difference. And, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, well, in the public policy group, obviously, what we do for a living is advocacy before Congress and the executive branch. And so, you know, that's one of the things at the end of the day we're looking for is people who can be good advocates. And so I always respect when I get a phone call out of left field from somebody who's a friend and tells me, you know, that Jim Smith, I think he put a resume in for your summer program. You should know you know, he's definitely somebody you should look at. I don't view that as intrusive. I view that as it's putting a face on a cover letter and a resume. And that's something you should be, you know, striving to do in the process. Make make your credentials um, three-dimensional and personal. Uh, and and that's that's a, an important element in, in the process. So any any last minute, you know, sort of bits of advice, Marissa, I mean, put your, put your Sarah clock hat on, you know, what would Sarah say if uh, Sarah's are one of our political and FDA associates, and there is no topic about which Sarah does not have an opinion. Uh, let's just put it that way. So put your Sarah clock hat on, pretend you're at Fort clock. And what's your last bit of advice? Sarah would either say play tennis. I'll go, uh, I'll say 
make sure that you get to know your colleagues or the people that you're working with that summer. And I think that ties into the networking piece too. You know, everyone wants to work with people that are also good people. Uh, and I think that's, that's an important part of it. I have a one last question for you too, Rich. Okay, go ahead. What is your favorite interview question? Oh, now, okay. So my favorite interview question, which there was a time in my life, not too long ago, where I felt like I had to suss out in the interview, would this younger person be somebody who was, you know, committed to the firm and stay here if, if they came here? Because, you know, like everything we read about um, millennials and Generation Z have no loyalty and they hop around from job to job and that's not our culture. It would, it would dilute our culture and blah, blah, blah. So I came up with this question, which I'm sure I read online in some like brilliant article that, uh, you know, ran in the National Enquirer or something um, that basically was, tell me the most important lesson you ever learned from your parents. And it is amazing it is an amazing question at the end of the day, only because like the number of people interviewing who look at you like, I didn't learn anything from them. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? Like, and, and that's their first reaction. And, but then they know they have to like, wait, wait, I can make something up here. But the best answer to that question, and I, I will um, leave the, the person out of it, but it was, it was the ultimate answer. Uh, I mean, literally by the end of this answer, I was crying, right? Wow. Um, was, well, um, my parents died when I was very young. And so I was raised by my grandmother and I would come home after school every day and do my homework until five o'clock. And then with dinner from five to six, I would watch two back-to-back -back episodes of Golden Girls with my grandmother. And she would explain to me life lessons from Golden Girls, where I learned a lot of like what became my moral fiber. Like, how are you all not crying right now listening to this, right? Of course I hired the guy. And, and the other uh, partners and colleagues who interviewed the person were, were sort of, you know, are you sure? I mean, yes, I know that was a really good answer, but should we hire someone just based on that? And I was, I was insistent that that was the way to go. So it, it goes, it does go to show one thing, an individual answer to an individual question and prepping for interviews is, is are very important things. And, and that part of the process is not to be overlooked or diminished. There you go, folks. You now know the secret to, to Rich Gold's heart. <laughs> and to be honest with you, the funny thing is, I'm not that big a Golden Girls fan. I do love Betty White. Yes, everybody loves Betty White. Yep. May she rest in peace. Yes, exactly. I, I think, I, I don't think there's anything more to say. I don't either. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to the Eyes on Washington podcast. Brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. For more information on our Public Policy and Regulation Group, please visit hklaw.com slash PPR.